0: You can like us on Facebook, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. We're going to talk about two main things today, and one is something that I I don't think we've talked enough about over the course of this offseason, but something that I I just wrote about frack me packing company and that is the secondary in particular the cornerbacks we spent a lot of time talking about the safeties and the the revamp the positional overhaul that that the packers have undergone at that position but we haven't talked enough about at least in my opinion and and again i'm copping to this it's <laughs> <is> my show <laughs> so the fact that we haven't talked enough about it is in fact my fault Uh, But it is the case that we haven't talked enough about the cornerback position, especially considering how important the cornerback position is. We are also going to talk about the incorporation of the running back, in this case Aaron Jones, but potentially Jamal Williams and maybe even Dexter Williams, into the passing game for Matt LaFleur. We're going to talk about the wisdom of that, or lack thereof, and whether or not uh, I, in particular, buy the narrative that Aaron Jones is suddenly going to become some pass-catching force in this offense. Spoiler alert, I don't. But let's start here uh, with a question because it's a good way to set up what I want to get into. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? Robert from California, with what Jair did last year on the signing of Adrian Amos and after drafting Savage... Does Josh Jackson become the forgotten man in the secondary? And anything he does positive is just a plus and not so much a need. So I wrote about the cornerback position for Acme Packing Company as we do a, a preview of the roster. We're doing positional previews and then our roster projections. All of us at, the, at Acme Packing Company, we voted on what we thought the outcome of the Final 53 would look like inevitably will be wrong because training camp brings surprises. The exhibition season is going to bring surprises. There are going to be players who are cut that Green Bay might want to add. There could be trades. There's going to be injuries. So there's a lot to, to you know incorporate into this equation. The question about Josh Jackson, though, is interesting because the assumption is... We are all working under the assumption that Jair Alexander is going to be the guy that we think he can be. That that he can be a a Chris Harris type cornerback. That he can be, you know, if we want to go back to some classic NFC North teams, that Antoine Winfield type. A little undersized, but physical, a playmaker, and a difference maker on this defense. And, And that's what I expect him to be. I don't think that he's going to be Darrell Revis. I don't think that he's the second coming of Deion Sanders, but he can be a very good cornerback. Okay, how far does that get you? If you have good safety, so if Adrian Amos is solid, and and don't even get me started on the latest stuff with Adrian Amos, the, the Bears fans are still mad online about this. If he is good, if Amos is good, and and Savage is solid, and Jair Alexander is just like baseline what he was last year and add 5 to 10% improvement. That's all he has. No year to leap, just steady improvement. And that's a that's a pretty solid secondary. It's a pretty good secondary, but it's a secondary that you can attack because you can't just have one cornerback. You need multiple guys who can cover. Offenses are just too sophisticated. Coaches have become too smart in in finding ways to attack your defense. And you are putting a lot of pressure on your pass rush to really create havoc if you only have the one good guy. You know, the, the Bears last year, they had a great front. And they really only had one really good corner. Kyle Fuller was, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber player last year. Bryce Callahan was a really solid slot corner. Prince of Mukamara was. Fine. He was fine. If you have one really good player and then a very good set of safeties and a very good front, that is enough. We don't know if the Packers front is going to be really good. If Preston and Zadarius Smith come through, if Rashawn Gary can give them something, and if Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark can stay healthy, their front, especially rushing the passer, looks really good. They actually had a better adjusted sack rate last season than the Bears did the question is more about what's going on with the safety group and what's going on with the cornerback depth so Josh Jackson right now if we're going to put the depth chart together Josh Jackson is like cornerback four Jair is one Kevin King is two Tremont Williams is the slot corner he's the nickel he is you know probably going to play some safety hybrid He's gonna be able to do some different things for you, but Josh Jackson is depth right now. And inevitably he's gonna to have to play because that's how the NFL works. That's how injuries affect the game. We know you need depth. The NFL is a battle of attrition. It has always been the case. And so the teams that are, you know, pros and joes that are that are stars and replacement level players around them they are more susceptible to injury what you want is depth ask the Patriots so let's say Jair Alexander makes that year two leap if you get nothing from Kevin King you need Josh Jackson so it's not the case that that anything he does is just gravy because you might need him if Kevin King gets hurt and, you know, based on what we've seen so far from his career, good chance he's going to get hurt. You need Josh Jackson. And, and even if Tremont Williams can step in, you know, we're talking about a guy who is in his mid-30s at a, at a position where athleticism is at a premium. You need Josh Jackson. So it is unlikely that his contributions are going to be gravy Unless you think Kevin King is suddenly going to miraculously play 16 games. Now, I have said this before and made the case that, you know, Kevin King was not a huge injury risk at Washington. He played a lot and played through injury as a senior at Washington. That was the injury that ultimately, you know, cost him the rest of his rookie season. Can he be healthy moving forward? You get the so- the shoulder surgery. You hope that the soft tissue injury you know, was a fluke, and so you move forward, and you hope if you're a Packers fan. The reality is the odds say either he or Jair Alexander is going to get hurt for, you know, even if it's just a game, two games, three games, Josh Jackson is going to have to play. He's going to have to be relied upon to play his role, to, to accomplish above replacement level play. That shouldn't be hard. When you look at Josh Jackson's rookie season, he struggled at specific things that are needed to be fixed. And then specific things that are, you know, I I think fixable with just some more time. You know, you look at some of the, the plays that he missed. And I think back to that game in Detroit. There were a couple times he just misplayed the ball. That was not a problem at Iowa. He has great ball skills. We saw it consistently. His ability to play the ball, make plays on the ball, catch the ball, are elite. They were, at least, in college and for an NFL prospect at the cornerback position. For him to suddenly forget how to do that would be strange. But when you're thinking about other things, when you're thinking about your coverage position, when you're thinking about pattern matching, when you're thinking about your technique because you're not used to playing man coverage, then all of a sudden you've got all this other stuff on your mind. It's clouding your instincts and your judgment, and you can't play the ball with the sort of quickness that you're used to playing it with. That is certainly something that we have to take into consideration here. But we also have to take into consideration that Josh Jackson played too handsy most of his rookie season, did not trust his technique and when he got out of position, rather than working to get back into position, he grabbed. And it is true though that for the last month of the season, he was much better and was one of the top players on the team in passes defended. Despite the fact that he was not a consistent starter and certainly not a preferred starter when the season opened. If he can just be solid, just be solid at cornerback four. And, I, and I'm talking about solid relative to being the fourth cornerback on a team, not just solid overall. I mean, we have to we have to have some context applied in these situations. I mean, no one should expect anyone's cornerback four to be Darrell Rivas it's just not how this works. But if he can be a solid backup corner this season, show some progress, make progress in in avenues that he showed promise out of college in. So, you know, just have some better ball skills. We saw in preseason less complex coverages, less game planning. He was just going out there and playing interceptions, pick sixes, That's what he's capable of being. In the regular season, there's a lot more mentally that you have to process. So if in year two, he can process those things quicker and it can be more about instincts and can be more about just going out there and playing like it was in the preseason, like it was in in his breakout season at Iowa, the talent is there for him to really be not just a good player, but a very good player. The Packers can't bank on Kevin King right now. They can't. They uh, unless until we unless and until we see it on the field, he just can't be trusted to do it. And and that's not, you know, that's just life. You got You have to prove it. And we have evidence to suggest that he can, Kevin King, but he's got to do it. And so Josh Jackson is going to have a role in this defense. He's going to be asked to play important snaps, and no, he needs to be ready. It is not just gravy for him. He needs to be ready if this defense is going to get where it wants to go. And if he can do that, you know, if Jair Alexander can take the year two leap, and let's say Josh Jackson takes a year two mini leap, and Kevin King just stays healthy for 12 or 14 games, this secondary suddenly has the potential to not just be solid or manageable or or workable. It has the potential to be really good. And that's what Green Bay, they don't need it to be, but but it would really be a boon for this team if it could be. And speaking of, let's talk about sex. Your life would probably be better if you were having better sex more consistently and more regularly. Well, that's where Blue Chew comes in. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than going to a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code locked on. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. fresh and clean so you can too there is a light at the end of the tunnel so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the lawnmower 3.0 get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on so one of the big narratives as part of this offseason, was how much more Matt LaFleur was going to split out Aaron Jones and how much more Aaron Jones was going to be a part of this passing game. And, you know, I think that's that's something that we can expect. I mean, more than a Mike McCarthy. It's going to be more than just screen game and dump-offs, although that's certainly going to be there. But there was an interesting uh, analytical evaluation done that that Ben Baldwin did Ben does great work for the athletic and what he found he put together a list of success rate when throwing to a running back on first and second down which which is when most teams throw to running backs and found that only two teams had a success rate or a Estimated points added per play above the wide receiver and tight end NFL average. Okay, so let me explain all of this in a second. But only two teams, basically here's how this breaks down. Only two teams, when throwing to running backs, were more successful on average than throwing to a receiver or a tight end based on averages. So on a given play, you have the option to throw to, you know, obviously anyone, receivers, running backs, tight ends. And so there is this idea that, oh, well, you know, teams should throw to their running backs more. They should throw to these guys because they create all sorts of mismatches. And and the Patriots are always, you know, put up as this paragon of mismatched football. New England is 15th in success rate, and that's below the Packers last year. In fact, the Packers are 10th on this list, ahead of New Orleans with Alvin Kamara, ahead of Dallas with Zeke Elliott, ahead of New England with their you know myriad backs, ahead of Atlanta with Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman, ahead of Minnesota with Dalvin Cook. I mean, this is ahead of New York with Saquon Barkley. When they threw to the running back, they were actually one of the 10 most successful teams in football. But only two teams, when throwing to their running backs, were more successful than the NFL average of throwing to your receivers or your tight ends. So what does that say about throwing to your running backs on 1st and 2nd down. It it might not be a smart thing to do. Now, if it's a dump-off, that is what it is. That's part of the play. It's built in, and so you live with it. You'd rather take a couple yards than an incompletion or a sack, and, and probably, frankly, you'd rather get the ball in Aaron Jones' hands in this case than have Aaron Rodgers try and run the ball and pick up yards and risk taking hits. But the fact of the matter is, it is the case, That throwing to your running backs is less efficient, less effective than throwing to your receivers and your tight ends. So if you're going to throw to someone, throw to someone whose job it is by trade to catch the ball. Now, what's interesting here, though, all right, so Kansas City and Los Angeles, the Chargers, are the only teams that are above average, above the receiver average. So when they throw to their running backs and tight ends... They get, you know, pretty significantly better than the rest of the league production out of those guys. Kansas City way above everybody else. That is a credit to Andy Reid. Okay. Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, just under. And Sean McVay is... So Kyle Shanahan's fourth. Sean McVay is fifth. Now, they're, they're significantly under on estimated points added per play. Sean McVay, for example, when he throws to his running backs, his success rate is the same as NFL average when throwing to receivers and tight ends. So in other words, when Sean McVay throws to his running backs, he is getting success as often as he would be as NFL average throwing to receivers and tight ends. That is play design. Kyle Shanahan, just below that. But the Packers, for example, their success rate, pretty much on par with San Francisco. So why did I bring all this up? Because Mike McCarthy, who this data is based on, his play calling, he ain't in charge no more. To paraphrase home alone. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. If you look at this list, Tennessee is 24th in success rate. But interestingly, only two teams through to their running backs, less on first and second down than the Titans last year under Matt LaFleur. The Houston Texans and Kyle Shanahan's San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers being part of the lineage of Matt LaFleur. Now, the Rams, for their part, are much closer to NFL average. But when you look at what Tennessee did last year, they, they signed Deion Lewis to do this. And obviously, Derrick Henry, as the season wore on, became a bigger part of their offense. But this was supposed to be a thing. This was supposed to be something they did was throw to their running backs. And it wasn't. And Deion Lewis is made to do it. So if Aaron Jones is supposed to learn this thing, Are we really supposed to sit here and believe that the Packers are suddenly going to be this team that splits Aaron Jones out and uses him like Le'Veon Bell to run slants and beat linebackers and and kill teams doing it? I mean, we just don't have any evidence to suggest that's going to be the case. And I don't mean just Aaron Jones as a skill set. I mean Matt LaFleur as a play caller. His lineage doesn't support that. And the numbers, when you look at them they don't support that as a as an ideal as a goal you know aspirationally you you don't necessarily want to be throwing a lot to your running backs now when you throw to them you want to have successful plays that's always the case when you do anything you want to be successful that's that, you know, that's life that's how it works but the numbers suggest not throwing to your running backs is actually a pretty solid idea throw to the people who are pass catchers by trade, who can produce, throw to Devontae Adams, throw to Marquez Valas-Scantling, throw to Jimmy Graham, throw to Geronimo Allison. That's a better strategy. So not only am I not buying this narrative that the Packers are suddenly going to have this huge influx of throwing to the running backs, I actually think that is the smart way to handle this offense. subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts alright before we go there's, there's just one caveat I want to add to this and that is if you are talking about an offense where Aaron Rodgers is more willing to check the ball down where he is saying okay I don't see what's going on here it's not right and I'm just going to get the ball out and let Aaron Jones go do the thing or Jamal Williams that is good But better is an offense that works. Better is an offense that creates opportunities down the field, that gets the ball to the receivers and the tight ends in a position to make plays. That's just better because statistically speaking, you're more likely to have a game impacting play that way. So while it is a net positive, if Aaron Rodgers is more willing to take the check down What you want is an offense that doesn't force Aaron Rodgers to take the check down, and that is unfortunately too often what the Packers had to deal with over the last few years. An offense that was broken, a system that did not play to the strengths of its players, and that did not give the Packers any easy opportunities, no layups, no built-ins. Things that just really did not put this offense in a position to succeed, didn't put Aaron Rodgers in a position to succeed, didn't put the running game or the receivers in a position to succeed. And really, you know, a lot of the success that that some of these players like Devontae Adams in particular has had, really they should get more credit for that work because the scheme was totally a mess. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow with more of your questions. And then back next week, as we head toward training camp, we're almost there. We are almost to training camp, uh, single-digit days left until we get to training camp. So uh, a lot more to get to, and we're going to have, you know, normally I ramp up the coverage during training camp, but we've gone to four off-season shows, so no ramping necessary. Here we are, four shows a week, and we're going to give you everything you need to get ready for the season training camp exhibition, everything, all of it here at Locked On Packers, so subscribe to the podcast. Do it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. I made that really easy for you. Go on Facebook and like the show. Uh, you can you can comment on shows. You can share shows. Let your friends see that you like Locked On Packers and let them find us. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Thanks for listening to the Locked on Podcast Network. But why stop now?